0: This is MC Fireside Chats, a weekly show devoted to the outdoor hospitality industry, hosted by Brian Searle and Kara Sismadia. You'll hear from special guests that focus on topics to help your business succeed, all backed by Modern Campground, the most innovative news source in the industry.
1: welcome to another episode of mc fireside chats wait it's afternoon i don't is it two o'clock here i forget we keep changing this time too much i want to say yeah good morning yeah good Mm -hmm. sometime I'm just going to say hello from now on. But anyway, welcome to another episode of MC Fireside Chat. Super excited to have you guys here with us again today. We've got two awesome topics we're going to talk about today, including the border reopening. Uh, The land border crossing is open between the United States and Canada, which is impacting snowbirds, winter Texans, whatever they call themselves in Arizona, and all kinds of other things. Canadians are coming across now for the first time in a year and a half, two years, I think. So we've got Shane Devonish here from CCRBC who's going to talk to us about that briefly. We've got Justin from Pitch Up. I'm going to let these guys introduce themselves in a second, uh, who's based in Montreal. We've got Joanne from also talked to later. Uh, she's going to jump in and about the border conversation too, but talk about camp and that great organization full of executive directors and all the awesome work they do They just had a big meeting last week at the ARVIC conference. And as always, we have Kara and Angela with us, Kara from the Canadian Camping and RV Council too, and Angela, who is the editor-in-chief of Modern Campground. So let's just have everybody quickly introduce themselves, Shane, Justin, Joanne, and then we'll dive into the border reopening. Who wants
2: sure. to go first?
3: You want me to go first, Brian?
1: Go for it, Shane.
3: Yeah, <laughs> it's it's always a pleasure. I love that intro that that plays before the uh, the show. Great job on that. I'm Shane from uh, the Canadian Camping and RV Council up here in Canada. I'm also with the Canadian RV Association, and as always, it's a pleasure to be uh, on the show. Today.
2: Likewise, I'm excited. My name is Justin Smoller. I'm the North American Manager the sales division here at PitchUp.com. We are a UK based company out of London, but my office here caters to all of North America. Now, before Joanne introduces herself, I just
1: want to say behind the scenes, before we started the show live, Justin and Shane were talking in French. So
2: Justin, do you want to introduce yourself in French so we can be an inclusive podcast? Bonjour encore, mon nom est Justin, je travaille ici au (laughs) PitchUp.com. I hope everybody understands that and if not, I could give a written transcript that you could plug into Google Translate. <laughs> <laughs> Joanne, we're going to need you to introduce yourself in French too, but go ahead.
4: <laughs> if you had told me, I would have looked it up ahead of time and more than happy to do, but I'm just going to get it in plain old English. So I'm Joanna Delvesio. I'm the executive director of the New Jersey Campground and Outdoor Lodging Association. And I'm also president of CAMP, which is the association representing all the executive directors of state associations across the country. And CAMP stands for Campground Association of Management Professionals.
1: I'm so excited to talk about CAMP later because I feel like it does so many great things. Like I didn't even realize it was a thing for so many years because I've been going to ARVIC since I think my first ARVIC was 2010 or 2011. And it it simultaneously runs there in most years.
4: We're not really affiliated with ARVIC. Um, I camp, it's just is we, it. we are yeah, no, we're separate. We are a separate association. ARVIC, some of our association executive directors are non-affiliated states, so they're not really affiliated with Arvic. Camp is all the executive directors. It doesn't matter whether you're an affiliated state, partnering state, non-affiliated. We're just all the executive directors and we get together twice a year
1: which is one of the most beautiful things about the organization, I think. It's just so inclusive and brings everybody together. But we promise we'll get into that. But first, we wanna talk about the border reopening here. Before we dive too deep into this, Kara and I probably should have told you this and given you a heads up before the show started, we actually uh, went down to the border and we have some live footage of the border reopening that I'm gonna play for you guys now, so. Land Crossing is finally open. I'm back at work. I really miss this place. I miss my co-workers, I miss the work, and most of all, I miss the people.
5: Hi there. Hi. Haven't done this in a while. I know. It's good to be back. <laughs> yeah. Passport. Yep, there you go.
1: What is your
4: purpose in the United States? I'm going to Target. For how long? Just a couple of hours. Is that fruit? Are you smuggling fruit in the United States?
5: <gasps> no, it's just a snack I was getting eaten.
3: Pull over for inspection. If I find so much as a tangerine, you are going to jail.
5: <laughs> I missed this. Next! U.S. Customs and Border Protection. Proud to welcome back our amazing staff of Roided Up Psychopath.
1: <sighs> okay, so that was live. We just recorded this. I'm not sure... Uh if that's representative of all the US customs and border protection officers probably not but uh
0: i feel yeah. like we weren't already trying to motivate canadians to go south that'll really help
1: that does yeah there is a kind of a, a negative consequence to that so definitely just that one guy then uh, we'll go back and get a better interview later, but but Shane, tell us it's been a year and a half, right? So many Canadians are headed south here, finally to Florida, Texas, Arizona, a bunch of other states down there to keep warm. What's going through the the minds of the Canadian campers from their perspective as this opens, and where are they going? What are they doing?
3: Uh, yeah, I think there's just a lot of relief, a lot of uncertainty before uh, the announcement, and they, I, the majority are were probably in the midst of, of finding alternatives, thinking that it wasn't going to open. So when they announced what was made, I think the excitement and then their, I think their plans really changed and, and started to get ready to come down south. I've heard of, and, and Joanne can speak more about this, but a lot of uh, campgrounds just got inundated with uh, reservation requests. Caught them off guard and they they had to turn some Canadians away. I just think that there was a lot of excitement of, of viewers coming down. It's, it's good that Canadians didn't have to go to BC with all the flooding there. A lot of them would have been there. But I just I just think they were just anxious to uh, go somewhere warm.
2: I'm kind of happy you brought that up so early, Brian, just in terms of the mentality of campers. Because I think that plays a big effect in terms of where they're going to be spending their time going down south, consequently, also their spending habits, you combine that with the ease in terms of COVID restrictions, it's going to be a lot different than what people are accustomed to up here in Canada, the strictness of it all. And if you consider that the people that are now eligible to cross the border by land must be fully vaccinated, uh, I think those people are almost most likely to have coronaphobia, which is, fear of catching coronavirus. And certainly you should feel relieved because you are fully vaccinated. And Science shows it reduces the impact and likelihood of a breakthrough case and hospitalization. But all that's going to play into maybe the consumer going down south. And if they were used to maybe getting some of their goods uh, delivered to them, be it from grocery stores, pharmacies, or otherwise, there's definitely going to be a shift in terms of what their needs will be once they do get down South. I think everyone's going to be a lot more organized in terms of where they could get their goods from and consequently where they're going to be able to. I,
4: I can tell you just from talking to the, the campground execs last week that, you know, obviously Arizona and Texas, Florida, the reservations are very strong for the Canadians who were, who are heading South for this time of year, but also for us in New Jersey we're seeing the reservations already start to come in for the Canadians who typically come to see us in July and August, because now that they know that the border is open, they haven't been there for two years. So we're seeing an impact. So not only are you seeing immediate reservations taking place in some of the states, but you're also seeing some of the reservations uh, for the future coming in. For They're just glad to be able to be coming back from the U.S. for their vacations.
2: And I think that could be a, a trickle down effect. Sorry, Brian, just in terms of a lack of supply because people are booking in advance now. Even us here at PitchUp.com, we're seeing a huge increase in terms of advanced bookings. And for the primetime months of February and March, we're seeing price increases of sometimes 20 to 30%. So it's a trickle-down effect for sure.
1: Absolutely. Yeah, that's really interesting that it's starting so early in advance because obviously we want to focus. I right now is the time when the snowbirds are going south, mm-hmm. and obviously they're stopping uh, campgrounds along the way because they're not driving straight through to Florida in many cases. But it's interesting that the impact is there, Joanne. That they're already mm-hmm. making those reservations for. You're saying they're making them right. for next spring and summer they're, already, they're,
4: right? Ab- absolutely, they're they're already making them for next year.
1: Yeah, yeah I
5: mean I I all... think that we've seen across all of our clients, and I feel like this year we've been hearing that more than we have in years past of their spring, summer bookings are filling up much earlier. And I think some of that is just the eagerness to camp. People know that there's not enough sites for the demand, so they're trying to get their foot in the door. But also, I think more and more properties within the last few years have really taken on the online booking systems too. So it's not so much a, you can't book anything until January or February when we open booking up people, their rates are set for next summer and booking has been open for some time. So I think it's a couple different things at play.
2: That is a beautiful shift to in the industry. Obviously more campgrounds have websites now than ever. They have more booking systems than ever. So they are open and available for those advanced bookings.
0: Yeah, this last year and a half has really motivated them to pursue that automation and streamlining stuff. I think the combination of staffing issues and all of those things really played a factor we're almost in a scenario where all the dominoes have fallen just exactly nicely for 2022 to be really fabulous and busy season yet again. I'm excited to see how it's going to go. I definitely agree. I think bookings are big coming in already for next year, and and hopefully that trend continues long into the future.
3: Julian, do you have a
1: go ahead, Shane? Please.
3: No, I was just going to say there's some pressure from Canada's side to get rid of the the PCR test or have it equal to what's going on in the U.S. And and I guess there's a decision made for Canadians going down on a short-term trip. It's supposed to be announced uh, the next day or so. And we're hopeful that at the start of next camping season, U.S. folks won't need the, the strict PCR test coming up here, especially out east. Our guys uh, could use the U.S. tourism coming back more so than any other part of, of our country. And I, it's great to hear New Jersey getting Canadians to book down there. I'd, l- I'd love to hear some stories about our Canadians getting the U.S. people coming up again, making their reservations. So.
2: Yeah. Even we're anticipating that's going to be more so in the spring, of course, which is the seasonal nature of our cold winters. We should be able to see that flow of traffic reverse itself towards March and April. But yeah, there's still glamping in cabins and cool stuff to do up here in the winter. I like the ice fish. we got a whole bunch of activities. If you like to snowmobile and do different trips like that. It's just about getting out of your comfort zone sometimes.
4: Yeah, trying something new.
2: How Hear that, Joanna? Went... If you want to come up from Florida.
4: <laughs> <laughs> Nobody's best to know them in Florida. <laughs> <laughs> this, the I guess
5: this probably more for Shane and Justin and Kara, but have you guys been seeing the reverse now that the border is open? Have Canadian parks been seeing an influx in bookings, booking ahead for spring and summer, like they're starting to see here in the States?
0: Yeah. So I can speak to a couple of parks who I personally have c- contact with about that. Yeah. There's actually my old park has been, has seen a big jump in, in bookings just in the last few weeks, specifically for next season. They've got the best numbers they've seen in c- compared to the last couple of years. That park was really heavily reliant. Almost 40% of its business is coming from international guests. Americans and Europeans. It's been important for them parks like, like that one to recover that business for sure. So I I, I will say on a couple of anecdotal specific basis, I I have that is what I've been seeing and hearing from other campground operators. We had a meeting here in Alberta, an association meeting, and the feedback from those members there was that things were picking up for 2022. I also think it's interesting when we opened the border. A lot of our parks are already were already closed. But the few that were still open, we're seeing a big influx as the snowbirds started to head south as uh, so they got this unexpected little boost of business right at the end of their, right in the shoulder season there, which can't hurt anybody.
2: <laughs> For sure. I, I think the timing of that was also interesting. The Biden administration made the announcement in the middle of October. Yeah. Generally speaking, a lot of our clients tend to close up shop if they're not operational year-round around Halloween, so October 31st. So. Uh, That gave people a kind of advanced notice to prepare themselves a bit. Even, I know it's a nominal cost, but from a storage perspective, these are things that people, creature of habits that we are as humans, want to have organized in advance to be able to ensure uh, that they're prepared and that their precious uh, cargo or RV is well taken care of.
1: Agreed. Yeah, I'm really interested to follow this data set, and I'm sure we'll have another show talking about what the bookings are looking, looking at March, February, March, those kinds of things with some of the Canadian campgrounds, hopefully as guests on our show. But it's really interesting because we'll be able to see that kind of segment of how much impact Canadians really have moving south or Americans really have moving north because... We've seen so much demand in the RV industry. We've heard that the RV sales numbers are up. Everybody's demand's been through the roof, 20, 30% increases year over year. And I've seen some predictions that say, we all know you can't sustain 20, 30% growth forever. We'd love to, but eventually it has to slow down a little bit. And so I've seen people predicting that it's gonna slow down a little bit in 2022, but maybe it won't now that there's so much movement coming across the border. And it'll be interesting to, to analyze those stats when we see them.
0: Yeah, I agree. I think it'll be the the discrepancies will happen. I think in terms more in terms of shifting demographics around, as compared to maybe a boost in. We saw such exponential turnouts in twenty twenty one, parts of twenty twenty, the last last bits potentially. But twenty twenty one was a great year for a lot of campground owners, and and so I think it'll be tough to get much higher than those numbers. But I do think we will definitely see demographic changes in those data sets. And I'm super interested in watching how those roll out too.
2: Even short term in terms of Canadians going down south, something interesting, and it could be a small variable that impacts the industry is even just wait times at the border. I know there was a report of three hours, maybe not at that border video that you showed in the intro over there, that seemed Mm -hmm. to be pretty fluid. But I've heard of some of our customers saying that they were going to hold off on going down the extra couple of weeks just so that things could settle down a little bit. But all these small variables play into the mentality of the camper.
4: Yeah, True. We're not, yeah,
2: I was, go ahead. I was going to ask you a question, but go
4: ahead. We're not really hearing much about excessive wait times at the border, and I think those that are interested in really getting to their their winter homes in Florida or Arizona or Texas are just dealing with it. Is okay. It, it's an everyday occurrence right now. I think no matter where you're going, things are changed. Things are changed. Dynamics have changed, and the mindset is okay. We're going to cross the border. We're probably going to be sitting for a while before we can get across the border, but it's okay because we're going where we want to go. We're going where we yeah. want to be. We're going where we've missed these past two years. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And, and there is two other roller coaster, way. right? It, <laughs> yeah. it, it, the amusement park that you really
2: want to ride. You really want to go to Florida. You really want to go to New Jersey. You, you really, really want to go everywhere. So you're going to wait a little bit. And for those listening, there are two websites, one for Canada and one for the United States that show wait times at the border. So you can monitor that. And if you want to time up your drive and maybe launch at like midnight or something. So you do the... Beginning portion when you're sharp. On. Throw those websites in the chat. If you don't mind, they'll syndicate and push out to
1: Facebook. I think so
2: we'll do all I that works, works anyway,
1: but Joanne, I was going to ask you too. Are you, are you seeing, I remember we talked with so many of our clients last year about this time with the uh, expectation that they were not going to be as full in Florida and Texas and Arizona because of those. Canadians weren't coming down, but it turns out they were, and their business was even stronger than ever before, even with that missing segment. So do you have a sense? And I don't know how much you've had conversations with Bobby from Florida and Brian from taco and maybe Diana from California. And I can't remember who the new person is at Arizona. Is it so Joanne or is she
4: uh, No, her name is Susan Motley.
1: Okay. Susan. Um, I, I Do you have a sense of, is there inventory available?
4: There is inventory available and a lot of folks had booked their reservations in anticipation of the border reopening. There, there are There is availability for your campground, whatever campground is you may have gone to. I mean, I could just tell you from New Jersey from last summer, we thought really because the Canadians typically come in July and the beginning of August. And they really do fill our campgrounds in New Jersey and in a lot of the, the upper eastern, um, northeastern part of the, the U.S., and, you know, what we found was that the Americans, because now everybody wanted to go camping and 70 people were either purchasing an RV or renting an RV, that they really took up the slacks where the Canadians um, were not there for the past two years. So the interesting, it's going to be interesting to see what happens this coming year as to who gets the reservations in the quickest are going to be able to find their sites.
1: Yeah, that's uh and it's the same thing with, I lost my I thought I was putting the links in there for Justin, but uh, <laughs> you can see if we got the Canada border in the bottom. I'm going to show the U S border in a second. <laughs> um, it'll be interesting to see, because I think, as you mentioned, a lot of them had their summer homes down there. Did they continue to pay for things? <laughs>
4: and, and, they- and I just, I. It- In in my mind, Susan Motley is not the Arizona exec. Susan Motley is- I was going to pull you
1: out on that. Yeah. I was like, wait a minute. (laughs) I I didn't want to make myself look like a fool.
4: Sorry.
1: (laughs) I already do a good enough job of looking like a fool on normal days. So I didn't want to add to it.
4: So I I, I, I was the fool today. Her name is Susan Bretman. B-R-E-N-T-O-N.
1: Well, that's not bad. You got 50%. At least I got the
4: first name right. That was a good
1: thing. Yeah. What else are we hearing? Do you have a sense, Shane, of the numbers of Canadians that are crossing the border? Is it the same? Are they holding back a little? I know that we talked about the waiting, but are they going to, mm-hmm. are they continuing to come down to the same numbers? Are they still nervous about the COVID restrictions that are different in both countries?
3: I I, I was on a call with one of the, uh, one of the guys from uh, Canadian Snowbird Association, and he cited 90% of what normally would come down or are planning to come down this uh, winter. So it's a pretty awesome. high percentage. Yeah, it's good. Certainly a good number for us. The last thing you want to do is is have your consumers not utilize the product. So we're happy that those snowbirds that, that do RV are able to use it over the winter time, as opposed to uh, storing it or parking it in somebody's driveway.
2: Yeah, I know that same Canadian Snowbird Association put out a stat recently that 75% of Canadians who visit the United States, do so by car or in this case RV. So that's 32 million trips. Hopefully we could equate that. And I think 60% or so are towards Florida. Obviously Arizona is a big hub from there. I know you're talking about stats before we saw from the Arizona tourism board that in 2019, there was approximately 1 million tourists that spent approximately $1 billion with a (laughs) B. And then consequently last year there's a drop off understandably to I think 325 million spent and about a quarter of the amount of visitors so hopefully it could either match or if not exceed those previous numbers from 2019 and all indications show that just based off uh I guess the supply and lack of supply but really the demand that is out there for RVs and all things RV.
1: But
0: well, I, I don't
2: know think that number would be if we
1: could actually get campground owners to raise their rates more than two dollars a site every year.
0: With
1: <laughs> dynamic pricing, it might be two billion.
0: I I think it's important to factor in things like gas prices and stuff in this conversation. Too. So, That's certainly feedback I'm seeing on all of our social channels and stuff from consumers. Is I'd love to go, but gas is crazy expensive right now, so I'm treading water for now. I think.
1: What's interesting here, and like correct me if I'm wrong. But I think that gas. And I'm sorry, we're just lagged. I thought you were, I, I think that gas prices are still cheaper, even though they're really high in the U.S. in the U.S. than they are in Canada. Right. I think because it's four liters a gallon, roughly. So I think it ends up being like five dollars or something U.S. for a gallon of gas or gallon equivalent it, here or whatever. So yeah,
2: if it is four to one, I saw a dollar fifty yesterday at the gas station. So it would be six dollars per gallon. Yeah, but that's yeah. six Canadian. Factored in the U.S., it ends up being about
1: five. It would be cheaper for them, is my point, to get gas if they traveled south.
4: They go, yeah. And and the exchange rate obviously also factors into all of this. And it's really tough to say where the exchange rate is going to be come the beginning of the year or the middle of 2022. Things are, as you said, so fluid right now that we really don't have any idea.
0: Yeah, impossible to predict that kind of stuff
3: Mm -hmm. right now. Oh, sorry, Angela, go.
5: Oh, that's okay. Yeah. I forget where I read it. I just saw it today or yesterday and it was talking about how people are going to be more likely to book an extended stay site or long-term site because of the gas prices, because of mm-hmm. some people that don't, they don't want to travel as many different locations as maybe they normally would feel comfortable doing because of mm-hmm. restrictions or health reasons, safety reasons, all of those factors. And I thought that was really interesting. It wasn't something that I had personally thought about, but it does make a lot of sense. Yeah, absolutely.
4: Typically our Canadian visitors are longer term, transient visitors than, than our U.S. visitors are. They, they come down and because they're traveling so far, they have a tendency to stay for 10 days to two weeks or longer for just those reasons.
2: Shane, have you seen any indications that maybe some people who would normally go down south in their RV are opting to leave their RV at home and maybe just fly somewhere, if only for certain restrictions in place? I haven't I haven't haven't heard much of that, Justin.
3: One way or another, yeah. I I, I remember when we had higher gas prices throughout the yeah. last thirty years. And when when if your vacation costs more than 20%, you got to pay 20% on gas. People get used to it. I think it's when it rises so dramatically, so quickly. Everybody's going, whoa, and it's a little bit of a shock. But once once realization sets in, they'll feel more comfortable. I I think it's a short-term hesitation, personally. And, um, you know, they'll just budget a little bit more for their vacation. And certainly 20% is not going to be a barrier to go.
2: Especially when you compare it Sorry, Brian, just to bring this up because this is where I was going with that question, Shane. The, the cost of rental cars right now have also Absolutely. spiked dramatically. Yeah. So all the more incentive well, to drive it down. Yeah, that's what I was going to throw in there is I, I think yeah. you're right, Shane, about the gas
1: prices. But when you throw in the other inflation that's happening dramatically across the United States in many categories, yeah, it, it adds all together in one kind of like perfect storm of hesitancy.
3: And yeah, somebody said the other day, uh, flight to whatever has gone up Huge too. So airline flights and yeah, rental car availability, Justin, yes, is brutal. But We did an affordability study uh, a couple of years ago and RVing was found to be the, the most cost-effective way to vacation outside of Airbnb at the time. And I, I can I can certainly say that would probably be the same now, and the spread would be even more from some of those other things: restaurant costs, rental cars, like you say, all those things have gone up. Like we're you know, everything I still some agree affordability. Sorry,
5: I'm so sorry, Shane. Uh, oh. I think some people too are also taking into consideration that they've a lot of people sat at home mm-hmm. for the last couple of years or whatever. They're not they haven't taken the big vacation that they save for every year that they've especially campground owners and things like that that try to go south in their off season and they just haven't had those expenses. And so I think a lot of people are taking it into consideration, but it's not a deciding factor because they're just so glad that they finally get to make the trip after a long absence.
4: I think coming 2022, many of us do the RV and camping shows in Canada. The Toronto show, the Quebec City show, the Montreal show. It's going to be interesting to see what the attraction is at these shows and whether or not, because typically when we're doing these shows, they are so incredibly busy for the four days. It's nonstop to see whether or not you know, we're going to see that same audience that's been there prior to.
1: Well, that's interesting, Joanne, because we actually have uh, Shane Devanish on here who runs the Toronto <laughs> Gambit mm-hmm. show that's going to happen here. And so maybe he could speak to that. I don't run it. Right. We
3: do have a show director. But we, it's interesting you say, Joanne, we're mindful of that too. And I think what you're going to see the shows do this year is to is to take advantage of all the new interest in the uh, in the industry. So whether it's more education, addressing all those hesitancy, answering their questions. I think all these shows are going to be more so directed at that. Dealers, hopefully they have enough inventory to show. We're starting to see that build right now. But it's going to be trying to take advantage of the excitement in the RV uh, lifestyle right now for all the newbies, I think, that we're certainly going to do on our end.
0: Shane, when do tickets go on sale for your show?
3: Usually not until December. So at at some point in time, right before Christmas.
2: I think these types of events are just so important to... And this is a good analogy for a Canadian like myself, get that snowball effect where it's contagious, the enthusiasm that everybody shows. And when you're with like-minded people and you can bounce ideas off each other and you realize that uh, you're not alone in terms of the last 21 months, you felt like you were alone in lockdowns and quarantine. But in actuality, there's a whole contingency of, uh, I guess, our community that still wants to enjoy the luxuries that we've got accustomed to.
4: And and I would say just from New Jersey anyway, even though the Canadians the last two years have not been able to travel into the States, we still continued our advertising up in Canada because we wanted them to feel like, okay, even though you can't travel now, we're still thinking about you. And when you're ready to travel again, we'll be here and ready for you. And I think most of the States are, are, are in the same category as we are, that we made sure that we continue to reach out and touch our Canadian friends because we want them to continue to come and visit us. Yeah, I think that's so important because we
0: have such a large segment of new campers Mm -hmm. that we hadn't camped before. So that awareness and keeping the industry kind of front and center is valuable, especially to that demographic of the market that's new and and hasn't maybe traveled much in an RV yet and now finally has that exciting opportunity.
3: Yeah, Joanne, it's funny you say that because one of the concerns or quandaries or Lots of conversation amongst the industry is how do you advertise during COVID? but Especially at the beginning of all this, do you promote the industry while nobody can go anywhere, for example? So it was interesting. A lot of the goer being in the US or goer being up here in Canada had different stages of marketing. Maybe at the beginning was just stay in touch, be concerned, be sentimental. And then as things opened up, then you opened up your advertising. You really had to watch your messaging as as Mm well.
4: And we were very careful about that because obviously we didn't want to offend anyone. We wanted to make sure that we wanted them to be safe where they are and stay where they are. But as I said, when they were ready to travel, just let them know that we were here to welcome them when they're ready to get back on the road again. Yeah,
2: absolutely. I think what might be difficult is because it's such a polarizing topic, maybe your favorite campground you find out is more liberal or more conservative than what you ever imagined. And maybe somebody who's seeking a certain type of accommodation would be either happy or shocked and maybe not opt for that same location based off some of the rules they may or may not have in place for COVID regulations. Joanne, obviously being down in Florida, they are pretty open there, especially relative to Canada. Do you see that a lot of campgrounds in general, because I could speak on this after, but I'm opening the question to you a little bit. Do you see that there are, I guess, rules specific that might appeal to Canadians
4: who are scared? Justin, I'm just visiting Florida. I'm <laughs> on vacation this week. I'm trying not to pay attention. I want to go pro. Well, palm
2: trees keep fooling me. Uh, palm trees. <laughs> <what> this <laughs> also means is
4: so people just want to
1: us talk program. about what you're actually talking about and delve into that controversy right now. So. <laughs> well,
0: yeah. I don't know about that. I think it's important to to note. We talk all the time about how there's portion of the market for everybody you just gotta find what aligns best with you and so i personally i think i know a few snowbirds who are who used to go to florida and who are uncomfortable with the lack of restrictions there so they are choosing to go somewhere else and so i i think consumers are making that's become a factor in their decisions and maybe somebody who used to go to florida goes to A different state now, but it sounds like to me, there's a a supply (laughs) issue anyway. So all those things tend to balance themselves out, I think. But certainly my mother-in-law and her husband go every year to Mexico normally. And I think they're uncomfortable with going that far. So so there's different factors that are impacting all of these choices for sure. And COVID is certainly one of them.
2: I think you're right Kyra though, there's a place for everybody and it's just a matter of doing your research, but certainly everyone could continue enjoying what they like.
0: Yeah, agreed.
1: Yeah. It's going to balance out both ways. You may change where you're going, but somebody else will go to Florida. Who wasn't going to Florida? All right, let's switch topics here before we like, we've talked about the border so long, it's been 36 minutes, really informative, but I want to make sure we leave time for camp here. So Joanne, before we delve too far into this, tell us, I know you briefly introduced it, but just give us the, how long has CAMP been in existence? What do they do? Who are the members? Those kinds of things.
4: So CAMP has been around for quite a while. And CAMP, as I said, stands for Campground Association of Management Professionals. And so the association is made up of executive directors of uh, the state associations throughout the country. So although we are somewhat like kind of hands-on with Arvik. We are really, it doesn't matter whether the state is a partnering state with Arvik or an affiliated state. We're just all the executive directors that meet twice a year. And we meet for educational purposes to talk about what's happening in our individual states, throw ideas off of each other. It's been a great for me, a learning experience. I've been I've been in this job for almost 10 years and we do meet twice a year. And we just share, we share a lot of information amongst each other and not only twice a year, but all throughout the year. The association and its members, There's there were 18 executive directors who attended camp last week in Raleigh. There's about 25 executive directors throughout the country. And we were really just there for sharing and caring with one another.
1: What were some of the topics that came up during the meeting at during the ARVIC conference? I know you're not affiliated, but during it's the same time period. So it's easier for me to say that. Sorry, last a, week. How about that? So,
4: we, so the camp is typically two days. Two full days were usually 8 a.m. to 5 p.m. And the topics last week were we had a lobbyist come and speak to the group about how important it is to continue lobbying, not only on a state level, but on a national level. So um, we had the lobbyist from the North Carolina uh, State Association come in and speak to us. We have Christine Taylor, who is an attorney, who came in to talk about what documents now are even more important for association management companies or association management to just make sure that we have all of our, our, our documents in place where they need to be because things are changing so rapidly as far as federal guidelines things. That was a huge topic. She was there for quite a while. Laura Severson from Wisconsin, she developed a software program for campground associations. And so she presented the new software program, which was great. And and many of us are so impressed with it, that talking to Lori about how we can jump on board and work with her on getting that association management of campground information into the hands of the associations. So we spoke with Chris Borneman from RBIA, talking about how RVIA needs to really have a much closer relationships with the state executive directors and the state associations. It, it's great that they speak, that they're working with the RVC on a national level. The association executive directors are the ones that are in their states and know what's happening. As they say, we're boots on the ground. We, we know what's happening in our states. And we really have made a really nice headway with RVIA and I see the RVIA doing a lot more with state associations going forward. So it was, camp was just a whole, lots and lots of information that was being passed on. We had someone from KOA who spoke about the relationships. Many of our campgrounds are, are being purchased by, you know, the big corporate conglomerates and what the impact that's having on the ind- individual state associations. So it was really good. L- lots of great information that was dispensed.
1: It seems like it. Like, I I, I honestly, like, and, and maybe you've never thought about this, or maybe you will next year now that I'm bringing it up, but I wonder if there's just a way to let the members of the individual state associations even virtually just pipe into some of this knowledge that's being shared. I know you as an executive director disseminate it afterwards, but it sounds like from what you've just described, at least those back-to-back were excellent topics that impact all kinds of owners.
4: And we tried to, I'm the president of camp this year. We did have an election and I was president in prior years, but we had some new, new Laura Harrison from Wisconsin is the new vice president. Jason Vaughan from Pennsylvania is our treasurer, and D. Whitting from North Carolina and South Carolina is going to be our secretary. During these past two years, while we haven't been able to be in person, we've arranged Zoom meetings. And I think Brian, you did one of our Zoom meetings with us. So we have tried to keep the group together, even though we were not able to be together in person, just making sure that information sharing is continuing throughout the year, even though we we're not able to be there in person. I,
1: I, I, yeah, and that's definitely valuable, but I guess what I'm speaking is outside of the executive directors, maybe there's mm-hmm. campground owners who want to see this and I know you disseminate it, but like the, the RVIA, for example, it's very important for you, for him to talk to the executive directors and work with states. And I think that's absolutely fantastic. I've never heard that before, but it definitely, I hope they continue forward on that path. But is there a way that RVIA can not only just talk to the executive directors, but also to me, that's an educational session. That's valuable to thousands of camp runners too. Mm-hmm. And I
4: think once, like I said, once I think RVIA continues to make those connections with the state associations, that, like, we've had Chris Borman at our conference. I think once that, like I said, once those connections are being made, you'll be able to see RVIA talking to the individual owners at each the station.
0: Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's connecting them with the association staff is essentially connecting them with with camp, the campground owner members, for sure. Mm -hmm. I love that. So great. Great networking.
1: When you're done with a camp meeting, how does Joanne, the executive director who puts her New Jersey add-on, disseminate the kind of the information that she's heard from the other executive directors and from these sessions to her members?
4: A lot of it is a couple of years ago, um, we were talking about our, our year-end uh, reviews and, and what's happening, what happened throughout the year in the the industry and our individual state. And I came up with a year a year-end review booklet that now we send to all of our members a month prior to their dues renewal that says, this is what your association has done for you this past year. And so a lot of the, the other associations now are picking up and they're doing a year in review book that they're sending to their members. If some of it is joint advertising, I know New Jersey, Pennsylvania, and New York this year, we have done some regional advertising together. Some of the other states are talking about coming together and doing joint advertising. It's, it's those kinds of things that we take back to our individual associations. And we share speakers at our conferences. Someone has a really good speaker. We throw it out there and say, this was a really good speaker at our conference. When you're doing your conference, he's certainly someone to consider. So those are the kinds of things that we come back to. Onto our offices from the the camp meetings that we put into place.
3: Joanne, what kind of advertising do you do when you say advertising?
4: For for the for me region, regionally, we're we're advertising USA Today with New York, Pennsylvania, and New Jersey. We did a couple ads in the USA Today. We are jointly in Better Homes and Gardens, Ladies' Home Journal, Country Living Magazine. What else have we done? We've done some different national publications this past year jointly. It's worked out very well for us.
3: Now the advertising to join the state association or is it for your campgrounds?
4: No. So the advertising is, it's a generic ad that talks about camping in New Jersey, Pennsylvania, and New York. And for more information, contact this website or go to the, so those, that's what we were doing. And then if there a lot of times there's the individual leads and the leads will come to us from the different publications. And we know that they're state specific and those people are looking for information on our individual states.
1: Yeah, that's, that's awesome that you guys are able to band together and purchase some things in some of those larger publications that might be out of reach for individual state associations.
4: Advertising USA Today is is not um, an inexpensive marketing initiative, but being able to be together with New York and PA, it certainly made it cost effective for us and it was very successful.
1: A collaboration is. There's no right. end to the benefits of that working together. So, mm-hmm. uh, I know is is Joss Penny and BCLCA be, is a member of your organization. Do you have anybody else in Canada?
4: We do have a couple. We do. We have three Canadian associations that are members of Camp.
1: I, okay, I, I I think Ontario is. I think we are a member.
4: Yes, you are, Shane. <laughs> <laughs> I think I, you
3: weren't know you there, Shane? Why weren't you at the meeting? No, but I, I'm going next time. Because we
4: couldn't cross the border that week. Exactly. <laughs> that's fair. Um, All right, that's
1: a good point. Uh, oh no, you were in RVDA, weren't you, Shane? So you were. You did I was in like, Vegas. Shane <laughs> went to Vegas and partied instead of going. Yeah, go
3: I no. Would have been really. It would have been uh, less expensive on me. <laughs>
4: One of the most important factors that we share with one another is when our conferences are so that we are not overlapping on each other and having our conferences at the same time, which creates issues, obviously, for any of our supplier members who want to be at our trade shows. So that's something that's really important. We do try to make sure that we spread out our conference dates so that they can get from conference to conference.
1: And that's a, a really good topic to bring up, and we'll touch on it briefly, Joanne, because That happened. I think that I heard multiple people say that vendors had to split time between the Yogi Bear Jellystone Conference and Arvik at the same time. And that's been a constant problem for us at Insider Berks for a decade, Mm -hmm. that something is always overlapping something else. And I know that Lori has that excellent Campground Owners Expo that's coming up in December. I really want to go. I'm not sure if I'm going to be able to make it just due to the timing. But somebody also mentioned to me that's when Arvik's conference used to be, was in December. Is that accurate?
4: Arvik's conference was always the
1: The first week in December. Oh, did we lose you, Joanne? Or is that me? No. Okay, we'll wait and see if Joanne comes back uh, so she can give us some insight into that. But while we're waiting for her to come back, the Campground Artists Expo is December 15th to the 18th. I think, Angela, you and I were looking at it. It's taking place in Branson, Missouri. And it's a a conglomeration of, I think, I was looking at 12, 13 states, something like that, or 15 states throughout the Midwest. They're going to come together and have this brand new trade show. They're going to go behind the scenes to some of the cool shows in Branson. If you've never been to Branson, you Christmas time. It's absolutely amazing to see with all the decorations and shows and things that go on and take you behind the scenes to that entertainment and glean some insights about maybe pieces and parts you could take away from those shows to help run your campground more efficiently. But she's going to have educational sessions, a trade show, things like that. I really was hoping to get down there. I'll definitely do my best to be there next year. It was just a timing thing and a border crossing thing for me because I'm in Canada as well. Hopefully we can get Joanne back on here to t- talk about that and touch on that overlapping issues. But yeah, if we could all work harmoniously together for vendors and attendees, then that's just more shows, more education, more vendors we can network with and, and things like that. So I think 2019, nothing overlapped for the first time in, since articles article in December, maybe.
0: And then things, the whole world fell apart.
3: We
1: had it going and then we couldn't build on the streak.
3: <laughs> yeah. Same, right. Right. I just want to comment on what Joanne said about RVIA and, and Chris Borneman. I know Chris, he's a, he's a, phenomenal government affairs individual and and somebody who really cares. And it's, it, as far as I'm concerned, it's really encouraging to see RVA do what they're doing to get to closer to the campgrounds and the campground associations. Because we're fortunate up here in Canada to have, well, we used to have all those meetings where CCRVC, go RVing, RVDA, CRVA get together. Frequently, at least two, three, four times a year, and I knew that RVA were were looking at that, and I I applaud them for for their efforts to get closer to the campgrounds down there. we were just talking about Chris Joanne. I know him; he's a great guy, and somebody. It's great to have at your meetings.
4: Oh, he is. He, he's he and and he's very willing to work and 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 make sure that this partnership comes together. So we're really grateful for that. Uh, and
1: Joanne, please finish your thought on the campground Niners expo while you were gone. We just, I talked to him about the dates and the things and Lori and doing all that stuff. So but please finish your thought. We just lost you.
4: Obviously, the, 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 as I said earlier, we, we tried to make sure that our, our campground conferences are not overlapping one another. And Arvix conference was always the first week in like the that last week in November, first week in December. I'm not sure why they changed I guess they must have had their region it, it reasons. It may have been because of availability in the different locations that they were going. Um, but yeah, so now they are back along to KOA and to the, the jelly conference. But, Laurie Severson is putting the, the new conference, it's called the campground owners expo on December 15th through the 18th in Branson. And we're, we're all going out there to, well, many of us are going out there to support Lori in this new endeavor. It's a regional conference. And for me in New Jersey, we have a, we, we don't have a New Jersey conference. I put on the mid-Atlantic conference. For campground owners, it's New Jersey, it's Pennsylvania, it's Delaware, it's Maryland. It's those states in the mid-Atlantic region and hosting that conference for years. So we are a regional conference and our conference was obviously for two years. We were not able to have the conference, actually one year. And last year, my board decided since New Jersey wasn't open and really nowhere in the, in the middle Northeast was opened, we went to Florida, we went to Tampa and held our conference and the campground owners were thrilled to death to be able to be in Florida. A lot of them are in Florida anyway. So we're bringing the Mid-Atlantic Conference back to Florida this year. We're going to be in Orlando February 28th, March 1st and 2nd. And our expo is going to be on Tuesday, March the 1st. We're thrilled to de- uh, Listen, I'm thrilled to death to be back in Florida in March. So for many years when we had the conference in Dover Downs, we had six inches of snow. There was ice and sleet. There was a snowstorm coming where everyone had to leave. But yeah, so it's, it's all good. And I think you're going to probably see more and more kind of regional collaborations is what you know we talked about. I think we're going to, that's the way that the future is looking right now.
1: Which is awesome. Again, there's nothing negative to collaboration. And yeah, I will miss some portions of New Jersey being in New Jersey. Because I remember the one year we got to bet on horses and go down on that track. And it was super cool. That was your conference, I think.
4: That, yeah, that was a Dover down. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: yeah. So Florida. It's Florida, right? You can't beat the sun and the floor and the beaches and all those kinds of things. But hopefully, I'll be able to be down there for that one. It just depends on again if it overlaps with no. anything else.
4: So. Mark the calendar: February twenty eighth, March first and second.
1: Well, we will, and make sure you reach out to Angela because we're building this fancy new events calendar on Modern Campground, <laughs> and so we'll put up your thing on there alongside all the other. We're putting RV shows and all that kind of together, and so we can just get you one more place that's, that is listed and people can find in the tent. So,
4: thank you. You're welcome to come. It'll be warm. My <laughs>
1: <laughs> you, your RV show, Shane? It's in March, right? right? Yeah, it's March third to the sixth. Yeah, that's perfect. That's you got twenty-four hours. You can fly back. <laughs> yeah.
4: <laughs> yeah, I'm trying to figure out how to do the Orlando thing and get to the Montreal show too.
1: I'm not sure. Yeah.
4: Try to figure that all out.
1: Yeah, it's always busy that time of year, but yeah, we're used to it. I remember, I I think I remember pre-COVID, I think Wisconsin and Laurie show was the last one we were at when the NBA got shut down and all that kind of stuff in 2020. But I think at that point, I had 45 days straight booked on the road where I was going to conferences back to back to back to back before they all ended up canceling. But yeah, it's a busy season. Hopefully Angela's going to split some of that with me this year. We'll see if I can convince her to talk into that. But what else we got? Anything else we want to talk about, about the border or anything else that we missed so that people need to know about camp, Joanne, before we wrap up our last five minutes here?
4: We, we have the website. We launched the new website. It's com. So if there's there, any, you know, the
2: bottom. Uh,
4: thank you. If there's any, state executives out there who are not members of camp, certainly go on there and, and we will start to post some legislation. Um, that's happening in each of our states, that, that was, that's another big issue that we deal with. We certainly do talk about legislation that's impacting the states and what's happening from state to state executive directors. When we, were, when we went through the whole COVID thing, who was essential, who was non-essential, there were certainly a, a lot of conversations taking place amongst the executive directors. The executive directors are so willing to impart their knowledge on one another and to share information. We really don't feel like we are in competition with one another. And I think that's what's so important. And that's what keeps camp going strong.
1: Yeah. And I may know the answer to this question, Joanne, but I'm getting old and my memory fails me. I think at one point was I a supplier supporter of camp? And then I, maybe I just didn't renew or something for some reason.
4: You, You may have been, I'm not really sure. I'll have to check with our treasurer and find out what your membership status is. And I'll get back to you and let you know
2: if it's always expired or always a supporter
1: <laughs> yeah if it's expired i want to join again so okay invoice and, and also send me one for modern campground too we'll both join because we uh, okay it's too valuable an organization not to support in my mind so i
4: i will make sure and listen I, again we're always looking for sponsors conestoga wagons was a uh a sponsor of camp this past week as was um ags so they print a lot of the guides, Michael Moore. Yes. Anderson's Anderson. brochure, Don Bennett, the brochure distribution company Anna, was yep. one of our- don't you um, Yep. I'm um, trying to think of who else was some of our sponsors. Oh, Conestoga. I said Conestoga Wagons, right? He was already- there. Camp Spot was another one
1: of our- Yes, he he was talking at your meeting too.
4: Yeah, he was great. A lot of information I was totally unaware of exactly how much Camp Spot was able to, to provide to the individual owner. So it, it was really good information.
1: Awesome. Yeah, definitely. We're going to, and again, we'll set up a call with Angela and talk about that, but I want to cover more about what camp's doing. The executive directors are doing showcase more of that stuff. And in any way we can support in any fashion, please, you know, let us know because obviously it's just me doing my small part, but small. every little bit helps. Yeah. 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 Anything else we want to talk about the border crossing chain before we head out or no, I'm okay. I'd like to hear more about pitch up though.
0: Yeah, me too.
1: We'll K- K- we got two minutes, yeah. give
2: us the elevator pitch, Justin, what's pitch up? So again, we're a UK based company out of London. We've been around for 11 years. We have over 4,500 active clients and we are an online travel agency. So we want to connect campgrounds to the actual campers themselves. We're free to join. We're no contract. You could go to our website, pitchup.com and from there get some more information. We'd love to just discuss how we can maybe help you out a little bit. So it's a risk-free way of trying to attract new clients if you own a campground and otherwise for the campers themselves that are wanting to join. I think one thing that really differentiates us I know we talked before a little bit about booking systems. We have integration with 90 different ones. So for those campground owners, it's very important to ensure they don't have double bookings and whatnot. We do a great job of integrating with all the major players within the industry themselves and going back to the campers and their perspective. I think something that's really cool that a lot of other OTAs, I'll call them our competitors, uh, do that we don't is charge a service fee towards the end. So. The price is the price you're paying. I'll throw out another example. I use Uber Eats all the time to get food, and then right at the end there's an extra four dollar surcharge that just goes to them. We don't do anything like that. So we pride ourselves on flexibility and we give both the host themselves and the camper all the opportunity to figure out what's best for them and their obvious question. I'm just gonna I'm just gonna play hardball with you for a second. So
1: how does pitch up make money then?
2: Great question. We do take a fifteen percent commission, but of course, that's only if we do a good job and get you direct bookings through our website for your campground. So, if you do have a campground that's not at capacity, it makes a sense to use our service. And that eighty-five percent of something is better than a hundred percent of nothing. Uh, if you are at full capacity, certainly we wish you all the best. And if you want to expand, let us know. But. Of course, no campgrounds always at 100%, be it during shoulder season, during the weekdays, maybe for new accommodations that you're pushing forward. We'd love to help out. And if it makes sense, it'd be amazing. Awesome.
1: Thank you so much, Justin, for joining us. I think we lost uh, Joanne here at the end. We're running a little bit over. She's back. There's Joanne. Hey, welcome Don't back, Joanne. I'm
4: not sure why I keep going off
1: just figured like you had some important meeting that you had to get to because we were 33 <laughs> seconds over. I don't know how you wear as many hats as you do, Joanne. So
3: uh,
1: it's, pretty, it's, you know, Shane only does one thing, I think. From, like, from so uh, is that, I'm just yeah. messing with Shane. Shane does seven things as well. All right. So thank you so much. I really appreciate uh, everybody joining us. Justin from Pitch Up, Shane from CCRBC, Joanne from New Jersey Koa, as well as camp and Kara from wherever you are and Angela from modern Campground. So really appreciate uh, everybody. Lots of great insights on the Canadian border, all those kinds of things. Lots of great insight and learning about camp. Looking forward to kind of bringing that to the forefront more as much as we can here on our show and on our website. If you are interested in listening to us and you didn't have a chance to catch the whole video, we are available as a podcast on Apple, Spotify, Google podcasts, all those places. You can watch the show archived as well as all previous episodes, mcfiresidechats.com. And we are really looking forward to seeing you for our open discussion show, which will happen in two weeks. We're going to take next week off uh, for Thanksgiving, which is in the States, even though we, am I Canadian now? I already had my Canadian Thanksgiving back in October. So it's really weird for me. I want to leave you. There was a whole debate about that that we won't go into that Ryan Reynolds was talking about Americans and Canadians and moving up here and. I don't know. Anyway, but thank you all for joining us again. I appreciate it. We will see you in two weeks for another show and take care. See you.
4: Thanks, Brian. Yeah. Appreciate you. Thank
2: you me. so much. Happy. Take care.
4: No. Bye, everyone. Thanks for watching this
0: episode of MC Fireside Chats, hosted by Brian Searle and Kara Sismadia. Have a suggestion for a future show or want to see your campground or company as part of an episode? Email us at hello at moderncampground.com. Join us next week for another episode. And don't miss the latest outdoor hospitality news and commentary from around the world at moderncampground.com.